Hey, so it's Up and Adam. We want to talk science, and I feel like you've picked a couple of really fun ones today. Um, the first one is Disco Alzheimer's. So it's uh, how strobe lights could be saving our brains. Yeah, so this is, a, I thought this is a really interesting piece of research. Um, uh, some researchers at Massachusetts Institute of Technology um, over in the States um, did some experiments with mice a couple of years ago, or a few years now, back in March 2015, um, where they set up um, sort of a little disco for some of the mice in the laboratory. Now, these mice had been engineered um, so that they would produce um, some plaques in the brain um, called amyloid plaques. And these are plaques that are seen in patients with Alzheimer's disease. So they've been genetically engineered to have these plaques in the brain. And they left some some of these mice in a group that had a, a strobe light on and some of these mice in the dark and found out that um, those that had been left at the, at the strobe lights there in the disco had lower levels of plaque in the brain than the mice that had been left in the dark. And this was a really interesting result because um, amyloid plaques are thought to be one of the hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease. They're detected in Alzheimer's patients. So removing these plaques is one of the ways that researchers are trying to treat Alzheimer's disease. And the, the reason for the formation of these plaques um, is, is still you know, under investigation. There are lots of theories, but trying to remove these using non-surgical methods and without the, the need of a pharmaceutical is an interesting first kind of indication for this, this type of treatment. So um, was it that the the mice had plaque on their brains and the strobe light removed it or it just halted the growth of the plaque? So that's that's a really interesting question. So w- what made these researchers go for this kind of research? So we, we have to go back in history a little bit to about 100 years ago when scientists first realised that actually there was a constant um, electrical pulse or a ripple or an oscillation through the brain. Um, some researchers found that when you put electrodes on the brain you could pick up electrical signals and this is because the way that our brains work or one of the way that our brains work is by the firing of neurons and when these neurons these packets of neurons move in move together they can cause um, distinct oscillations that are called brain waves and these brain waves are characteristic of certain kinds of thinking we still don't know heaps about them there's still lots to learn about brain waves but depending on the frequency so high how high or low these these waves are and also the amplitude so how loud they are basically how you know how big the signal is when measured they can indicate um different types of of brain of brain behavior so when they're slow um they're associated with um sleep perhaps or when they're really um, high frequency, the gamma kind of frequency, um, this is linked to rapid eye movement, sleep, or lots of thinking going on in the brain. Oh, that's really interesting. I think um, when I went to a MCA art bar once, they had an installation and it was a giant brain and you could get... Um, rigged up to it and the guy would ask you questions and he'd ask you really relaxing questions like what did you have for breakfast this morning and then he would ask you a really really complicated maths question and the brain would light up based on what brain waves so people were being connected to electrodes and watching that happening in real time oh that's really cool i I wish i'd been to that one but um these these 
these frequency or these patterns in the brain um, are characteristic um, or changes in these patterns are characteristic with certain diseases that affect the brain, such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. So, for example, um, patients who have um, a Parkinson's are seen to increase one type of um, wave in the brain, the beta waves, just before um, they a complete a movement and in patients without Parkinson's or people without Parkinson's and um, these beta waves stop just before a movement is carried out and in patients with Parkinson's there can be some restriction in their movement so it could be that these these beta waves this change in beta waves is linked to Parkinson's mm. and some researchers think that the current therapies that we have for Parkinson's might even be influencing these beta waves so for Alzheimer's um, what what's characteristic in Alzheimer's is a decrease in the gamma oscillation so researchers thought if they can maybe restore a normal level of these level of these gamma oscillations perhaps they could treat Alzheimer's disease um, so the, the researchers then you know took these strobe lights and and saw that they could actually use these a bit like the ones that you'd have at a, a disco or a rave yeah um, how it can influence those oscillations um, and they did this with different groups of mice and they showed that um, mice who'd had the very early signs of Alzheimer's in the brain this build up of plaques when they were exposed to these lights for a period of time each day there was a 67 percent reduction in the plaques in different parts of their brain so it's a really interesting first result or early result shall we say yeah i feel like that's really huge statistics for a first result as well yes it is now one of the things you have to always be mindful of and no pun intended there but um is that that when we're looking at research that's carried out in mice models um, it's it's important not to extrapolate it completely to humans because yeah. lots of research is done in, in animal models, um, which is an important first stage. But the you know there's a lot of proofs of concept that that have to be you know gone through in order to to take this kind of therapy into humans. It's going to be a while before we start flashing lights at people. Yeah, but I think but I think people will be looking at these ways, and particularly what what they're going to be looking for is ways to specifically target areas of the brain to have intensity, so have these lights of the right intensity that they can you know get into the brain and be effective, but also make sure that um, that that we know exactly what they're targeting um, in order to prevent the use of medicines or possible surgery. My final question for this one would be, um, and it's a bit of a silly one, but do you think people that go to raves would that have more exposure to these strobe lights, do you think there's a chance that they could be less likely to get Alzheimer's? No, I think that's a big stretch. So I think that's the kind of that's that's the kind of headline that's the kind of headline that you you might see and be careful of. Um, it's one of those uh, sort of music feeds or something like BuzzFeed, like turns out going to parties. Uh, cures cancer and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I think just to be mindful of um, some of those headlines, but also it hasn't been, you know, investigated in great detail. So maybe we should watch this space. Hey, um, you sent me in this article to read and I pretty much started crying last night because it was really cute. You had a whole bunch of pictures of bunnies wrapped in blankets. Can you explain to me what this was about? Yeah, well, that's exactly why I was drawn into this story too. So there's uh, there's some images that you can see if you check out the link that's on Twitter um, that's tweeted from FBI. But there's some pictures of some rabbits that are wrapped in blankets and then they are being looked at using an infrared camera. So, you know, if you watch any of those kind of police 
police chase shows and you see um, people are running away from from the cops um, who are looking down on them from a helicopter, for example. They sometimes show them using an infrared camera, which pits... Blue and red. Yeah, exactly. So where the humans are that are running, there's that uh, red core because uh, they're emitting um, heat, they're emitting infrared radiation, and that's what can be detected. So um, these rabbits have been dis- have been wrapped in a cloak uh, of a- that's been made from fibres that prevent them from being able to be detected by infrared radiation. <laughs> so there's some stealth bunnies um, that could be on the prowl. But um, <laughs> what's really interesting about this research, because I don't think the you know the rabbits really knew what was going on, is that um, researchers have been able to make a synthetic version of um, a fibre that's similar to polar bear um, hair or polar bear fur. So it turns out that polar bear fur is pretty good at preventing polar bears from emitting infrared radiation, which is quite handy when you live in the Arctic. It helps to keep you cosier and to, to keep that core warm body temperature um, for escaping. It traps all of the heat and doesn't emit any heat. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So um, this, the properties of this, this kind of hair have been, you know, intriguing for researchers to see how this hair functions. And one of the the key features of the hair is that it's very porous. It's got lots of holes within the fur. And this is a little bit like if you imagine a thermal top that has little holes in it, because air isn't very good at conducting, well, it's not as good as conducting heat as, as, as solid material. So it's good at trapping that warmth in. So researchers um, in China have have worked on uh, making a version of this this fur and they've done this by using uh, a protein that's found in silk um, and uh, a sugar, a polysaccharide, so it's a long chain of sugars and they mix them together in a, in, in a solution that's with water as the solvent and they put this uh, liquid through a cold uh, copper ring and what they did is they saw as the material freeze. So um, it froze with water crystals in between the frozen material. And then they were able to freeze dry this material. So where the water crystals had been, those are then frozen and removed. So they leave holes. holes. Exactly. So um, this this fibre, after doing some optimization, because they needed to try and make something that is strong enough to be woven into a fabric, but still is pretty porous. Um, and the more holes that something has, the less uh, kind of strong it is, the more brittle it can be. So they, they found this, uh, you know, the, the perfect kind of compromise between these two things and made this fibre that's about 90% um, full of holes. That's kind of cool. It sounds like it would be the ideal sort of material to wear for under your ski jacket or something like that. But is there any other sort of purposes for this fabric? Yeah, so this is, I think, one of the ideas behind this fabric. They've they've managed to weave it into the cloth and, and test it on little cloaks for these, these rabbits and show that it <laughs> they can't be detected by infrared radiation. So one of the obvious applications would be to keep warm. The other one was would be for stealth applications so for military who don't want to be picked up on by infrared cameras hiding um hiding their bodies in this way but what they've also done with this material which was pretty neat is they have um, made another mixture that contains carbon nanotubes which can conduct electricity and when they applied a really quite small voltage to this material um not with the rabbits inside this time, um, a five voltage material, they could raise the temperature of the material by over 10 degrees. So potentially, if you could make this material that keeps you warmer and put these carbon nanotubes into the mix, you could even have uh, so clothing that would be 
you know, you could put a player voltage and it could warm you up, which would be pretty, pretty interesting. And um, one of the problems is that the method that they've patented, this freeze drying, um, which is pretty neat, that I hadn't heard of that before for making a fabric, it's not so great at making huge quantities of this material at the yeah. moment. So if this material was going to become in any way commercially viable or something that we'd expect to see on, on the slopes anytime soon or for military applications, they need to work out a way to produce more of these fibres more efficiently so that it becomes affordable. Or maybe it's just going to be a very very exclusive luxury item just you kind of go to your your normal skivvy store like Uniqlo or whatever and you just have to go past the, all the uh, red velvet barriers <laughs> and you're allowed to buy one fake polar bear fur skivvy per person yeah well it looks like you've got an empire plan there honestly Ruby. I kind of really want one it sounds great yeah, I think, I think they would be really good, especially in cold places. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Alice Williamson, for coming in for another week of Up and Adam. You're going to be away next week, is that correct? Yeah, for a couple of weeks, couple but weeks. I'm leaving you in some very capable hands with Tom Gordon. Awesome. Well, I'll see you next month then. Yep. Yeah, see you soon.